Good afternoon and welcome to Mobile Forum's podcast, where we're discussing the consumer demand for open banking services. My name is Elena Matra and I'm the Executive Director of Mobile Forum. So for those listeners who are not familiar with Mobile, we are a member-based, not-for-profit industry association that brings together banks and other financial institutions to analyze the future of financial services. I'm joined by Mario Brigic from George Labs. Hello, Mario. Hello, everyone. Could you tell us a little bit about George Labs and what you guys do? Yeah, so George Labs is the name of the organization, the company that stands behind George, which is a online digital banking platform. Also trying to take advantage as much as possible of the open banking landscape. And yeah, we're funded by Erste Group, which is a large banking group in Central and Eastern Europe. And Mario is also the chair of Mobile's Open Banking Expert Group. We also have Kashmira Self here from Interac. Uh, hi, Kashmira. Hi. Can you tell us about Interac? What, what do you guys do? Sure. Thanks for having me. So we're Canada's domestic debit network. We're a central entity that's effectively trusted to move significant value across the country to the tune of about $470 billion and across 28 million users. We bring together ultimately all the ecosystem stakeholders with governance and technology solutions that just makes all this work. And we've been effectively doing this for the past 35 years. Thanks, Kashmira. I'm also joined by Luis Rodriguez from Strands. Hello, Luis. Hello, Elena. Luis, can you tell us in a couple of sentences what Strands does? Sure. Strands is a fintech company, and we specialize in providing open banking and artificial intelligence services to banks worldwide. So we're here to talk about some of the research that we did at Mobile's Open Banking Expert Group. So together with iTech Group, we created a consumer survey uncovering consumer attitudes to open banking services in five European markets. We looked at the UK, Germany, Finland, France, and Spain. And when asking consumers about open banking, we didn't want to use the words open banking as we felt these are not consumer terms and they don't need to understand what open banking means. So rather, we came up with five use cases in open banking that have emerged or we believe could emerge. And these were account aggregation, pay by bank, where the consumer gives a retailer permission to initiate payments from their accounts, purchase financing, which is where the consumer gives consent to a retailer's loan provider to access the consumer's account information so that they can get a loan decision on the spot. Identity check, where consumers allow a retailer to verify their age, for example, from their bank, if they're buying alcohol, for instance, or something else where they need to prove their age or another attribute of their identity. And finally, financial product comparison, where consumers give a price comparison provider access to their account information to be able to compare mortgages, for example. And we asked consumers whether they would be interested in using these types of services. If they said yes, we asked who they would prefer to be the provider of these services. And if they said that they were not interested in these services, we asked why not? What were the main obstacles for them? So to start with you, Mario, what do you think, what were the most interesting findings in this survey for you? What was your take on the results that we got from the survey? So I was very glad that we did the survey in the expert group. We had a lot of discussions through the years about how this landscape will evolve, how will the banks react to it, what will the market do. 
but the most interesting in the end is actually how will the people who will use it, how are they interested and what do they see as, as some benefits. So for me, one of the really key parts was that we, after all these talks about new players entering the market and taking over, from the survey, when we actually looked at the results and made our takeaways, one thing that stuck with me was that people who were answering the survey expected the banks to provide a lot of the services. So it wasn't that somebody will come from outside of the industry, but they expected that their existing traditional banks would adapt and start providing some of these services. And that's really linked with the trust issue that we see going through the whole survey. So it's not just that they're waiting for new players to arrive and, and happy to give them all this information. The, the big barrier in that whole interaction is still, do I trust the person who is actually collecting this information? What do they need it for? How are they going to use it? And banks still still have place to, to play in that game, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the services were quite well received by the consumers. So I think only 30% or so for, for most of them were not at all interested in, in using these kind of services. So Kashmir, when you looked at these results, what, what stood out for you? Uh, and what do you think would, would we get similar results if we did the survey in Canada? So we're in a somewhat unique position. Unlike the UK and Europe, we actually haven't implemented open banking policies or uh, frameworks here in Canada just yet. So we're in a unique position where we actually get to learn from the experiences in UK, Europe, Australia, etc., and be able to take what has and hasn't worked and apply it now. We're also in a unique position because unlike some of the other jurisdictions, the rise of fintechs was not born out of, you know, this people fleeing using traditional financial sources as a result of the 2008 financial crisis. It really comes down to consumers wanting choice and consumers wanting better experiences. So things like account information and purchase financing and product comparison, it's not surprising that a third of those users were like, yeah, sure, I'm interested in that, provided, you know, all these other measures are in place. There are a couple of exceptions, however, here in Canada, and those are specifically around payments initiation. In Canada, this falls entirely outside of the scope of open banking, and it is instead being managed entirely by the Payments Modernization Initiative. And then the second one is around uh, digital ID, which turns out into a customer consent and very complimentary. That, too, is under a separate track here. Yes, it's key to open banking, especially as it relates to consumer consent of their data for the purposes of granting and revoking and having oversight, but it, too, is separate. And so Canada historically has taken a very different approach and how we approach matters such as this from a government and from a regulatory perspective, similar to, you know, what you guys are seeing in the UK and in Europe, where there's no heavy handed or push in terms of, you know, you must meet these requirements by this date. Because having all those measures in place doesn't necessarily equate to consumers being ready to adopt any of the services being provided. There needs to be some sort of a balance And that needs to be achieved by a combination, I'd say, of it being both market-driven or regulatory-driven and a balance of somewhere in between. So I'd say that's sort of the key piece. And in terms of what customers are looking for in terms of services, they'll go to the organization that ultimately is willing to provide them with what they're looking for, and they'll make the trade-offs for themselves as they see fit. So, Louis, what do you think were the most interesting findings for you? For me, one of the things that stand out was the consistency. Obviously, I agree with uh, Mario around the banks being still uh, first in, in kind of kind of a choice, but uh, the consistency around the different countries. And I think that will apply also to other regions where 
you know, the, the regulation similar to Europe is, is been taking place, like Mexico or Brazil. I think these results were seeing the, the choices of the customers and the preference for the different type of services, I think will be pretty global. And I think that is a good thing for banks in the globe. Mm-hmm. So clearly from these results, uh, we saw that trust is very important, uh, especially when we asked the consumers who they would like to provide this service. Most of them said banks, as, as Mario was saying earlier, and uh, this is probably due to the high level of trust that consumers have in banks. And when we asked the consumers, why would you not be interested in using this service, uh, the vast majority in most cases said that they worried about their privacy or the security of their information. So clearly trust is very important. And at the moment, banks are the providers that enjoy most trust with consumers. But do you think this is changing? Do you think other companies could emerge or brands who could emerge that could take some of that trust and take that advantage uh, from banks? Do you want to go first, Kashmira? What's your take on that? Sure. Building trust with consumers is really not about one organization or one regulation or one product. There is no single entity that's going to actually effectively be able to do that. It must be built across the entire ecosystem. That trust can only be forged through established players, through new entrants, through governments, through regulators, and all of them being able to effectively work together and being able to give customers control to grant and revoke and have oversight over their own information. That will be the means that will actually effectively speak volumes in establishing trust with consumers. And so to ensure, I'd say, the safety and security of any potential open banking system, there really needs to be a meaningful collaboration across all ecosystem participants. Because the reality is people only realize the importance of trust if it is lost. Yes, that's very true. So as a traditional bank, Maria, what would you say? Do you fear that there are other brands emerging or other players that could gain the same level of trust that banks enjoy at the moment? And and where would you see that threat coming from? So I think it's a very interesting dynamic to look at. I like how Kashmira ended with this part of, you know, trust is there until you lose it and then everything falls through. My firm belief is that trust is a really big issue in finance. You need to be able to convince people that their money, which is basically, you know, their insurance for the future, their livelihood, their one of the most important things in your life, that it will be there, you will manage it in a respectful and safe way. At the same time, we see numerous examples of convenience beating trust. And we look at the big players. So, you know, Amazon, Google, Facebook, a lot of them have a lot of the same data that we have in terms of like social economics. They do not have in many places still all full economic data. But I don't think that that's a manageable hurdle for them. I think that people are becoming, in some ways, much more protective of their data, in other ways, uh, getting very used to providing more data. So I think that that convenience factor, and if there's something that is so convenient that it becomes a mass market product, that everybody is using it around you, that feeling of trust also starts to wither away. Because if you say, well, if I'm using it, and if my friends are using it, and my parents are using it or my colleagues at work, well, it must be okay, right? So I think that banks can't stand by and just expect that that trust will always be there. We don't know in the future, we have a lot of discussions whether it will go more into a privacy direction where people will at one point start valuing their privacy more or will they just say, well, that's kind of the game that we play that we provide our data. 
so it can go in both ways. And I think banks need to also embrace this, you know, convenience factor and really build their services and build on top of that trust and not just expect it to be there. Because as we see, you know, Apple Pay, just because of the sheer convenience and the giant adoption that it can create, people don't think about that anymore, about whether Apple will have access to their transactions. It's just a normal thing. And everybody is super happy that they have a very convenient payment method. I see that happening with also the other big players. The thing that's actually stopping it right now is that we still have this kind of trust of users. And users are also very, at this point, still quite slow in changing their banks. They might complain, but they're still quite inert. But that in the long term, especially with you know the fundamentals of open banking opening up that door, I think that the danger for traditional banks is that they might, again, be too slow especially too slow in realizing the shift that's happening. So you need to up your game and you need to understand what are the big players, so what are the the best UX companies and the most convenient services around, what are they bringing to users and what can we adopt from that in our business. I agree with you, Mario. It really comes down to trade-offs. Users are ultimately going to be willing to give up something to get something, and if what they're giving up is less meaningful than what they're getting out of it, they will do it hands down. And it's always the question, you know, you need to find that fine margin. Where can you still be the trusted partner and invest enough, though, in in being convenient enough that you're still maintaining that position, whereas the others are just going to be really fully on, you know, maybe you don't trust us yet, but it's so easy to use and we provide this super value for you. Come over to our side and let us prove to you that we have trust. So, you know, we're, we're both playing the game from different angles. Yep, I agree. So, Luis, where do you see competition and trust coming from, from banks? In my view, we need to split the trust question, especially in financial services, in two parts. I think one is data and the other one is the movement of money. And I think it's very clear that in the movement of money, uh, there is always going to be a higher trust and a more reliable from the consumer point of view in giving your money to the people that have been doing it for a long time and they have all the mechanisms to ensure that your money is safe. So I think from the movement of money point of view, I think the banks won't have much of a challenge. I think on the terms of data, I think people are not so aware and not so conscious about the value of their data. And I think here in terms of aggregation services, for instance, I think there will be quite a lot of possibilities for companies and fintech to snatch that data away, which is, as we know from you know other conversations we have in Mobile Forum, data is very valuable. So I think if we split that, I think the banks are pretty safe in terms of to ask the threats coming from a movement of money point of view. I think they need to increase their services and their customer awareness around the value of data to protect themselves in that space. Mm-hmm. And that split that you were talking about is, I guess, something that we're seeing with the challenger banks in the UK, for example, where people are still not putting their salaries straight to those bank accounts, but they move a bit of money there. So they're willing to give the spending data to those companies, but not their salaries. So I guess that kind of matches very well with what you said. Yeah. Another interesting finding was that consumers were quite easily persuaded to change their payment method, which kind of demonstrates the fickleness of consumer behavior. So we asked consumers if an alternative payment method had more trust, would you change to that? Or if an alternative payment method had more convenience, would you change to that? And the vast majority were willing to change. So those are the two most important things that consumers seem to value when choosing payment methods and I guess other financial services. So what do you think this kind of easily persuadability of consumers, what does it mean for banks and how can banks pay to their advantage? So on this topic, I think that the merchants have a very interesting role to play. 
People don't use credit cards online because credit cards are the number one best method for payment online. It's just that's the way that they were taught. So for a long time, online payment was done with your credit card predominantly, and you had then alternatively PayPal or some local method that also found their space. And um, some merchants have now started promoting different payment methods for various reasons. It all comes down to, is there a reason for a user to change? So if you can convince him that it's going to be safer, less clicks to actually get to that checkout, or perhaps you have other solutions which provide maybe some more ease in returning goods. So we have kind of the Klarna model also there. So merchants also, as I see from my personal experience, pushing different payment methods that maybe they have different reasons why they would like to push. For banks, that can go both ways. As Either if the banks want to cooperate with merchants and want to push other new payment methods, that means that there is a space in the market uh, that this can be done. On the other hand, if we say that we know that users don't really have a need to change their habits if their credit card is working and they don't have anybody pushing them to do otherwise, especially as a lot of online shops offer you the possibility or your browser itself to save your payment method, that will stay that way until somebody provides the users the reason to change that. So I think it's interesting for us in terms of the flexibility and the market, but that's great because it gives us a really nice playground. Kashmir, do you have anything to add? Sure. So on the Canada side, again, payment initiation falls outside of the scope of open banking here, and it's managed entirely through our payments modernization. But ultimately, really what it comes down to is consumers looking for choice and consumers looking for control. They will seek out from providers who are effectively best able to meet their needs. And in reality, they will make the trade-off that they see foot. This is why really it's very essential to create solutions with the customer being at the center. The customer being at the center and having the appropriate protections in place so that they get the experiences that they're looking for. Like Mario was just saying, you know, if they have a smoother experience overall, they'll probably switch. Really, the reality is they only know of the smoother experience once they've made that switch. And so it's these benefits to the consumer to ensure that kind of balance is effectively put in place and on the bank or on the merchant side, making sure that there's balance across managing the risk across all those participants within the overall ecosystem. No silver bullet, definitely in terms of what's going to play out, but definitely a case of making sure that the customers are at the center and that their needs are being met. What are your thoughts on this, Louise? I think it's very clear in all the digital world that anything that reduces friction is going to be taken immediately up by customers. We see it in with Uber, we see it with all sorts of applications that allow you to simplify your purchases and the use of services. So I think the answer from the research does not surprise me that, you know, anything that facilitates the payment and things like that will be a good thing for consumers and they will like it. From the point of view of banks, I think there is two things they need to consider. One is that we are, as a consumers, very used to have certain securities in some of the traditional payment methods. And I think they should be make sure that the new payment methods that simplify that don't come as a cost in terms of those securities. I'm talking about refunds, uh, theft, uh, all, all these type of things. The second thing is that they probably have an opportunity to reduce costs and potentially cut some middleman and therefore, as well as providing higher service, something that the consumers want and they will value, they will obtain benefits from them as a cost reduction and some possibilities to reduce middleman in these processes. Mm -hmm. So, unfortunately, we're beginning to run out of time. I would love to continue this discussion. It's been very interesting and it's showing that banks are clearly the preferred providers of financial services to consumers. And much of this is likely to do with the trust the banks enjoy. 
But as you pointed out many times, they also need to think about the convenience. Consumers easily switch to convenience. So banks can't just sit back and enjoy the trust and believe that they can ride on that forever. So the combination of trust and convenience seems to be the winning formula. Thank you, Kashmira, Mario and Luis. If anyone's interested in finding out more about the survey, please visit the Mobile Forum website and download the report. It's free to download and it has a little bit more analysis on the survey results as well as of the figures from the survey. So thank you very much for listening.